The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, we're going to talk about a longitudinal study of quite an extraordinary length in a few moments' time about happiness because I'm joined by Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College Dublin, who's already had an incredibly busy morning. I have, but I've given the keynote address in the Convention Centre for the European Obesity Meeting. There's 2,000 people down there as we speak discussing obesity and, you know, the health damage obesity can do and can we get new ways to treat obesity. So, so 2,000 people were brought to Dublin for this uh, conference. They were, yeah. It's every year. They, it's good. Dublin got Credit to UCD, Pat. There was yeah, Grace O'Malley and our colleagues and Fiona. Got it to Dublin. It was competitive, you know. So they all turned up and they're yeah, all the, spending their money. Uh, yeah, there is a downside to that. Though, there isn't is. There? I met one of the organisers and he complained that Dublin is costing twice as much as Maastricht, where it was last year. And wow. I then said, well, I'm very sorry to hear that. He said, the hotel prices, he said, everything's very yeah. expensive. So they're complaining about the cost. But I asked them, was he having a good time? Oh, I love the people. So they seem to be enjoying themselves. Which okay, is, and this is before the big weekend of rugby and boxing. Yeah, so uh, if, yeah. just as well, they're all probably going home tomorrow. That's right. What yeah. was your theme? Yeah, I, I, oh, that was amazing. They asked me to, I don't really work on obesity specifically, but inflammation, you see, can be triggered by obesity. So people are overweight. Their bodies are a bit more inflamed. And as a result, they get diabetes, they get various inflammatory diseases because of their obesity. So they asked me to talk about the inflammation obesity link. And then can we develop anti-inflammatories that might benefit people who are obese was, was my, my topic this morning. OK, uh, well, that was early this morning. Uh, in the meantime, you've been boning up on happiness and uh, the well-being of people in this incredible study. Tell me about it, because it, it started a long time ago. It's brilliant. Fact. Yeah, no, we, we wonder, don't we, how to be happy and how to live the good life, and it's a question we all have, you know. And scientifically, they're trying to ask the question, what is it that would make you happy in your life? And this study began in 1938. They followed 700 men for decades, right, and measured their lifestyle, their habits, questionnaires, their health was checked. And finally, they've come to a couple of bottom lines as to what you should do in your life to, for you to lead a more content life, shall we say. But obviously, it's very complicated. There's many, there's many variables. Many, many variables. And many of the people who started the original study uh, who were participants as young men, and you can tell me in a moment how they selected their young men, but they're, they're gone. Yeah. But they then embarked on talking to their offspring. They did. As the men got married, it was 700 men in Harvard, by the way. Now, no women, because there were no women in Harvard at that time, you see, yeah. so they couldn't recruit women. So 700 men were selected, young men, 18, 19, 20 years of age, and they followed them for all these decades. And so they figured, now, as they got married, and they included their spouses and then their children. So they end up with 1,300 extra people joined the study. And then they were criticised, actually, for it being a select group. Like These are very privileged people. Mm-hmm. So they got 500 men from a, a lower-income part of Boston, kind of as a control group, just to compare things like affluence and stuff. Yep. So in the end, it's it's highly rated scientifically. OK, so it stands the test. It stands the, the test, test, yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, one of the participants... Didn't make it. Strikingly, JFK, he was a student in 1938 in Harvard and he was asked to be one of the people on the study so they followed him until sadly his demise. You know, He was one of the participants. And again, So what they did was every five years there was a big health check on the men, right? And every two years a detailed questionnaire. How's your life going basically? Are you coping with things? Your level of anxiety? All those. A very complicated questionnaire. And again, credit to them because it was a very detailed questionnaire to assess their overall level of contentment. And JFK filled it in every, every two years. And, and had do his we health have checked. that information? No, they, they haven't broken it down in terms of you know, what the traits and so on of individual people because there's privacy issues there. But but he, he was an enthusiastic participant. He spoke about it himself. Yeah. Isn't this wonderful? This is going on. We might learn how to design our society, you see, to help people live a happier life. 
Okay, so the the questionnaire very very complex. Uh, measuring, I mean, you talk about relationships. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. Work happiness. Yep. Um, health. Yep. Dietary. You know, all of those. All things. of those things. Everything. Everything. Yeah, their fears, their hopes, their disappointments, their accomplishments was all covered in the in the detailed questionnaire. And then their habits, where they smokers or drinkers, for example, their occupation. Now, what fascinates me is one becomes president. Let's face it, that's a big success story. Many become business people. Some fail in business. Some don't. You know. Now, given some their doctors, origin. They're all going to Harvard. But it's high level. It's high level stuff. stuff. So you'd expect yeah. them all to be high achievers. Yeah, doctors, lawyers, you know. It's a snapshot of, of, the, of the human condition, if you will, and, and how Harvard graduates end up, I suppose. Now, remember, some of them become down and outs. Some get schizophrenia. Some become alcoholics because obviously the, the 700 kind of represent society. And their life course then is, is quite variable between them all. And, they, and that, how that did they pass the baton from researcher to researcher because obviously researchers moved on, retired, died themselves. Yep. Because if you're looking at maybe 35-year-old researchers researching kids who are 18 or 19, you know, they're going to be a decade and a half ahead of the posse. Yep. So they're not going to last the survey. Four separate directors, they call them, of this study. Exactly as you say, the first person would have died during it. Another guy takes over. The current two directors, they've written a big report. Why I've come across this, they've now issued a big report on this. And the current two directors have taken all the data and kept it going, basically. I mean, in, in academic circles, it's amazing, by the way, because obviously we're very jealous of each other's achievements. But the, the people were, were putting their hands up, oh, I'll take over that because it's so robust, you see. Yeah. So there have been four separate leaders of yeah. this all through those decades. And did they publish before? Or they is had, this yeah. the they they've been released. They've been releasing little little facts here and there, and little publications were issued. You know, so the whole thing was going on over, over the. It's a great source of publications for academics, by the way. You <laughs> see, so they like doing that. You know, but this latest report is the most comprehensive ever of, of what okay. they found. Really. So you've teased us long enough. What is the secret of happiness? Well, well, the surprise. They said this was a surprise. It's not about money at all, right? Wealth does not correlate to happiness at all. You but see. If, if they're all more or less wealthy, you know. well, no, so, some of them became broke. Some some of the businesses failed. You see, so they could factor that into it. You know. So it's not about money. It's not about your flash car or your house or even your occupation. None of those were predictors of happiness. In the end, that's obvious, by, by the way. You and I would agree it's, it's human relationships. That's the single most important factor for happiness. And loneliness is a killer. That's the other big conclusion from this. People who ended up lonely, and they might have been lonely because they focused on their careers or didn't look out of their eyes. They had terrible outcomes. They often had drink problems. They were dying younger and they were reporting real negative stuff in the questionnaires. You know, so the, so the number one thing is good, good, good friendships and relationships are yeah. critical for your personal happiness. Now, how about divorces? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they, well, that can be good. Now, that's, that's, they also found toxic relationships are negative. So, so get, stuck, get rid of the the other half if it's toxic. Yeah. If it's negative. Or, or even, even one of your friends, so it doesn't have to be able to have. If you're in a toxic relationship, that's a big negative because it drags you down. It makes you unhappy, basically. So it's, it's, divorce could be a good solution for some people. But overall, it does suggest marital happiness is a huge predictor of the overall thing. The great study, in, in, when you're 50, if you're in a good relationship with your spouse, that was a strong predictor of your health when you were 80, as, wow. as better than cholesterol levels. Now, we all know about high cholesterol is damaging. You yeah. know? But if you were in a toxic marriage at the age of 50, that was more damaging to your health and high cholesterol, for example, you see. And the other example they had was, um, it's worse than being a smoker or a drinker. As, and they're big risk factors for disease. So, so the, toxicity in your relationships is more damaging to your health than all of these yep. 
traditional no-nos. Yeah, precisely, yes. And, and again, because the numbers were so strong, especially the chole- they were measuring cholesterol in these men all the time as yeah. well, you see. And there would have been men with high cholesterol who were 50. But if they were in a good relationship, that was less of a risk factor, if you know what I mean. That was kind of a, so the good relationship was a protector. They reckon it's because of resilience. If you have a supportive spouse or friend, it doesn't have to be a spouse, you're more resilient for the vicissitudes of life. And all these men were having troubles, they were health issues, but if you're in a strong relationship and a good network around you, you could cope with that. A second one was pain. People with arthritis or types of pain, they could tolerate it much more if they were in a happy relationship. It just shows you the, the, the beneficial effects of these relationships. So what are the lessons then uh, for us all, yep. uh, for society as a whole? I mean, uh, you know, people who choose their mates through Tinder or whatever... Yeah. Um, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Matchmakers do that, you know. It's tough. H- how it's are we to tough, tailor society yeah, yeah. to give people a happier, longer life? Well, in the book, the latest book is called The Good Life, by the way, is the title of the book. There's a questionnaire you can fill in. You can list all the people who you're close to and rate them in various ways <laughs> <laughs> and then figure out which ones to ditch. That seems to be part of it, you know. Or the, a very important thing about it, you've got to nurture relationships. They show that very, you've got to work at it, you know. It's not just the case you're married, you can just take the foot off. You've got to really work work at it. The, the, one of the things was if you go on autopilot in a relationship, that's a big negative, you see. So again, they, 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 one of the conclusions is keep keep working at the relationships. The other thing is make sure you reach out to a friend. In other words, go for a drink, go for a walk. And many of us get reluctant as we get older. Always try to keep your social network, I yeah. suppose, is the word alive, is, is the big advice. Right. So if you buy the book, The Good Life, and if you fill in the, the form... Don't show it to anybody. That's right. That's right. Keep it quiet. It depends on, it depends on what it tells you. You've got to be careful. Exactly. <laughs> People will be looking to see what their rating what might be. What their score is, yeah, exactly. All right, so this will continue. This oh, it will, absolutely. But they're now following up with the children, you see, and the other parts of the families now. They're extending it even further. So we'll see, see if this continues to, to give us the same conclusions. Well, you're a man with uh, always a smile on your face, Luke, so you must be doing something right. Very good. It's our relationship, Pat, that keeps me going. You, know? <laughs> you and I both. All right, Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.